Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, August 18th, 5.28 a.m. Central Time. Grain markets are higher this morning. Brian Split, Mackenzie, good morning. Uh, guys, there's a crop tour next week. Why don't we start off with that? Yep, Pro Farmer will begin its annual Midwest crop tour next week. Scouts will tour more than 2,000 fields in Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Ohio, and South Dakota. Findings from individual regions will be released each evening. National crop estimates will then be released at the tour's conclusion. Social media will be flush with findings from individual fields and commentary. I texted Chip last week, I said, Chip, can I come on the tour this year? I've never been on the tour. He texted me back. He said, I don't think so, podcast boy. And then he had like a clown face emoji. So I guess I'm not invited. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Um, in any case, uh, the tour, here's a map of where they're going to go. It's a lot of places. Brian, what does the crop tour mean to you? Uh, you know, I mean, really, this is the first uh, opportunity we get at kind of a broader scale. We know that the the route is is the same, and so we can compare year over year. Um, there's been already a lot of talk this week and pictures on social media of how um, you know uneven the crop is and uh, how variable it is. Uh, I know Arlen Suderman's been talking about it. Dan Bozzi did an ag resource did a little bit of field work this week, so I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing what they find out there. Yeah, I think it'll be super interesting um, with social media these days, Twitter in particular, you're going to see pictures and updates like all throughout the day, every single day. Uh, my thought personally, I've been watching the tour for years. I thought that last year, I think the market actually moved on the tour a little bit. I, I do. We had this big rally during tour week last uh, last year, and it was kind of a weird contra seasonal deal. Like we posted that low in the corn market in July. We kind of found out that we had some better demand. The crop wasn't quite as good. And, and we had a big rally in the corn market uh, during tour week. So this is absolutely worth watching, guys. We'll be talking about it on the podcast. And my quick plug here this morning, I did do a video yesterday regarding, regarding corn prices, crop tour week, also like pro farmer findings in regard to the corn yield versus USDA's final number. If you guys want to see that video, sign up for the premium deal this morning. I'll send it over to you. The U.S. Corn Belt will remain mostly dry through the end of August. The seven-day forecast is devoid of rainfall for the entire region. A ridge of high pressure will lock out precipitation while locking in warmer temperatures during the next several days. This morning's Euro model does offer some rainfall in the 8-10 to 10 day period, although the GFS does not agree. Temperatures above 100 degrees are possible in some areas of the plains today. Heat moves into the central corn belt by Sunday. This is a bullish forecast five weeks ago, but right now it's more of a mixed bag. Brian, what are you hearing from farmers about uh, the weather right now? Yeah, I mean, there's concern about uh, how it's going to finish out the corn crop. Uh, you know, beans are, are uh, at a point where it's going to dictate the size of the bean in the pod and whatnot and the moisture content. And and so it's it's an important time for, for both, I still think. Uh, definitely, if it was a month ago, this would be more bullish than it is today. But uh, one of our, our uh, team members was at a deal and they were talking about how, you know, if temperatures in August are 
uh, overnight temperatures are 77 degrees or higher that you could still lose a bushel uh, per acre per day. I don't know if that's right or not, but yeah. um, you know, that's, it's still, you got to finish the crops. We still do have potential to, uh, to make this crop get bigger or smaller over the next few weeks. I think when Matt was on last week, we talked about this a little bit and, and the forecast hasn't really changed very much since then. Um, <clears throat> it was kind of like dependent. It was a mixed bag. Like he thought, you know, if you caught those rains earlier this month, this hot and dry finish to the month may not be a terrible thing, could actually be a good thing. If you didn't catch those rains, uh, this is very much problematic. So it's a mixed bag. Uh, to stick with the weather theme here, we had drought data out yesterday. We sure did. Below normal temperatures and widespread precipitation caused drought conditions to improve across the Corn Belt this week. Ohio, Indiana, and Missouri all saw continued improvements. The majority of Illinois, except for the northern region, also saw improvements. Some areas in Wisconsin and Minnesota received between two to almost five inches of rain. Drought conditions intensified in the north northern region of North Dakota due to a lack of precipitation. So when we look at the percentage of U.S. areas being affected by drought, uh, corn country, 42%, soybeans, 38%, winter wheat, 43%, spring wheat, 54%, and cattle country, 34%. The argument that you'll hear from uh, some people, and, and we've talked about this here too, is that if this were 10 or 11 years ago, um, we'd probably be in much worse shape in terms of crop prospects and that uh, during that 10, 11 year window, the genetics and, and the uh, varieties have improved to such a degree that uh, this these dry conditions don't matter as much. And that seems to be the, the take right now based on what we've seen from USDA in regard to crop estimates, based on what the private groups are throwing out there. Everybody's thinking, yeah, we're going to be below trend, but not a disaster by any means. Yeah, I mean, a lot of money went into development of all of those different traits and stacks that they did after 2012. And so uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, if we had this type of weather uh, 11 years ago, uh, we'd have a more severe impact. But uh, And boy, it's not 2012. I mean, no, you look, look at the, the side by side. Between those two, it's completely different. Yeah, we have some drought, but 2012 is like, I mean, look at how much red there was on that map in 2012, whereas now like you've got you've got pockets of that. You There probably are pockets that are just as dry as 2012, but it's not the uh, it's the exception and not the rule this year, I guess. Uh, U.S. corn export sales increased last week. Net corn sales of 233,500 metric tons for the current marketing year were up 55% from the previous week and 16% from the prior four-week average. Net sales of 704,700 metric tons were reported for the next marketing year, with the largest buyers being Mexico, unknown destinations, and Japan. Net soybean sales of 93,600 metric tons were reported for the current marketing year and were down 77% from the previous week and 42% from the prior four-week average. Net sales of 1.4 million metric tons were reported for the next marketing year, with the largest buyers being China, unknown destinations, and Mexico. Net wheat sales of 359,500 metric tons for the current marketing year were down 37% from the previous week, but up 3% from the prior four-week average. I have a comment on this just in general. Uh, we get a lot of comments in the uh, in YouTube and on TikTok and stuff about how whenever we mention the USDA um, yield estimates as an example, people will say, oh my gosh, the USDA is manipulating this stuff. The crop isn't there. USDA is totally wrong. Here's the flip side of this. 
Um, the USDA's export projection as it relates to new crop corn is way too high. It's way too high based on every metric that we know of right now. The book of new crop corn sales is off 24% versus the same period last year, but USDA is projecting a 26% increase. So if you're going to argue, and maybe you're right, that USDA is too high with the yields, they're also way too high with the demand number. And the demand number is something that may be a little bit more tangible, given that we have like an actual book of sales to compare versus last year. Chinese purchases of U.S. corn uh, for the new crop time frame are off almost 3 million metric tons versus the same period last year. So, I mean, USDA is not manipulating anything. And if anything, in the case of exports, they're overstating uh, the new crop program right now. Yeah, I mean, you can argue till you're blue in the face about the USDA. And people will. But, but <laughs> these are the numbers that the market has to deal with. Yeah. Um, so there's really no point in fighting it, just like there's no point in fighting the Fed. Um, you know, it's it's this is the data that we have to work with. But, um, you know, we talked about the Chinese uh, demand months and months ago that we just really don't know how much they were going to come in and buy because prior to uh, their COVID buying spree, they were only buying, you know, two or three million tons a year. Uh, and then that really changed after that and, and the African swine fever changing their feed ration. So I don't think the USDA really knew how much the Chinese needed to buy. Only Chinese know that. Yeah, this so it's it's a case where, like, USDA could be way too high with that export projection, which could mean ultimately like the carryout could be a hell of a lot bigger. And the market's function right now is to stimulate some demand. Uh, new crop soybean sales were actually really good last week. China was in for 900,000 or 940,000. So the new crop bean sales are improving. We're closing the gap, whereas corn is still uh, problematic, certainly. So rains in Argentina may be delayed until October. Argentina has been dealing with a severe drought since last year, and unfortunately, rainfall linked to El Nino isn't expected to start until October. Farmers typically begin planting corn in September. However, if there is insufficient rainfall, many farmers will delay or abandon their plans to grow corn. The Rosario Stock Exchange is predicting Argentina's corn crop to reach 56 million tons in the upcoming season. Poor, poor rainfall is also also affecting Argentina's wheat crop. So this is like the dry season right now and the wet season in Argentina is like October through April roughly. And if that wet season ends up being a dry season again, I suppose you could see a repeat of last year, which was an absolute, absolutely just devastating drought last year. I wouldn't bet on that, but I guess it's possible. I don't know. Uh, right. And, and so that was a major, major impact on the uh, on the meal market. And we're yes. st seeing that still with, uh, you know, pretty strong meal exports. Um, so we're going to be, you know, we're going to switch very quickly from a domestic weather market. Things will kind of cool off on the weather market front for a little bit, but then we're going to jump right into the South American weather market. Yeah, for those of you guys who have like lost hope when it comes to the markets, you got to keep in mind there's another growing season right around the corner. And the South American growing season and the impact of the crop size, good, bad, or ugly, seems to get bigger and bigger every year. It's like we're more into a global market than maybe we used to be. Um, 
Cattle market was lower yesterday, and also we have a report today. Yep, so cattle futures closed lower on Thursday. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of 151 lower. Uh, live cattle closed an average of 72 cents lower. Cash cattle trade has been lower this week also. In the Southern Plains, cattle have traded at 179. That's a buck lower compared to last week. Up in Nebraska, cattle have traded between 185 to 188, which is steady to $2 lower on the week. And in the Western Corn Belt, Cattle have been about a buck lower at 187. As Joe just said, we have a cattle on feed report that's going to be released today at 2 central time. The average estimate for cattle on feed as of August 1st is 98.4% of last year at 11.04 million head. The average estimate of July placements is 94.5% of last year at 1.67 million head. And finally, July marketings are estimated at 94.8% at 1.7 million head. So the report should confirm the ongoing story of lower numbers. Does the market have to rally on that? No, it doesn't have to rally on it necessarily. Um, outside markets this morning, U.S. dollars off a little bit. Stock markets off a little bit. Bonds are up a full handle. Crude oil is down nine cents in the September WTI at 80.30. Uh, Brian McKenzie, have a nice weekend. Everybody, we'll talk to you on Monday.